Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. I've had the privilege over the last couple of weeks of being on holiday. Sorry if you're kind of worn out and tired. That's, that's where I was. <laughs> and so I got to go away on leave. And, uh, and this is where I went. I went out into the outback. Uh, that's across the Simpson Desert. And uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's big sky country. What I mean by that is sometimes the horizon just seems to just keep on going. And then the sky meets it, and it's got this mix of this beautiful red ochre and this beautiful blue sky. And, uh, you know, sunsets and sunrises are just magnificent. It really, really is absolutely beautiful. I loved it. I loved getting away. It was good for my soul, that's for sure. Uh, But it's so, so different from the average suburban landscape that I'm in all of the time, yeah? It's just so, so different to any of that. And it was like I was living in like this alternate reality, you know, like an alternative reality. It's just like, I knew I was still in my country. I knew I was still in Australia by some of the animals I was seeing and the the strong Aussie accents that I went with. But, you know, uh, it it was like I was in a totally different place. And it's amazing to feel that, just beautiful. And I'm wondering if that's actually how we should be feeling uh, as a part of God's kingdom. Paul writes to us, and he first wrote it to to the Colossians. He wrote it to the church in Colossae. And he said that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and we've been brought into the kingdom of the son he loves, that is Jesus. And we live here and now, but we're actually part of his kingdom. Uh, we, 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 We are these people of a alternate reality. We are a people of the kingdom of God. We stand out. We're different because of who we are in Jesus. We live in an alternate reality to the rest of the world because we belong to an alternative kingdom. But I wonder if you've noticed that the rest of the world is going in a completely different direction to the one we're called to as disciples of Jesus. It's not hard to see. I hope you have. I hope you really have seen that actually what the world is offering and the the way of the world is actually so totally different to how we've been asked to be as disciples, as followers of Jesus. This alternative kingdom that we belong to. Jesus made it particularly clear in Matthew chapter five. He's talking to his disciples and those around him and he says this. He says that you ought to be different in order to make a difference. In other words, he says it like this. He says, let me tell you why you're here. He says, you're to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. (laughs) God sends us We've got nothing to offer if the salt is bland, if the light is not, if it's been extinguished. 
what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you, for me, for us to be able to live as resident foreigners representing the kingdom in a world like ours today? Does our church community cause culture shock to people who would walk in here that don't know Jesus? Because it's so radically different in the way we love one another, the way we love those who are in the world. And that's why over the next six weeks or so, we're gonna be exploring Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossae. And we're gonna be in the book of Colossians. And the encouragement that he brings to remind them of the absolutely incredible things that Jesus has done for all of them, what he has done for us also, and how that changes how they were to live and how we're to live now. So what's Colossians about? Well, uh, my brother-in-law, David, I heard him once explain it like this, and I'm gonna steal it because it's the best explanation of how the book came about. I want you to imagine for a moment that I went on a mission trip to, to China. And while I was there, I was proclaiming the good news and the gospel of Jesus. But while I was there, they, I got uh, arrested because of that, because I wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. And, and I get sent to prison, and in there I meet someone who's there for the same reason. I meet a, a, a prominent home church leader, yeah, who's been doing the same thing. And so I, I tell him everything about what God has been doing at River Life. I, I tell him just everything, you know, because I love you. And so I'm telling him just, you know, how much God's been doing in our lives and what he's been doing and people have come to know Jesus and all sorts of exciting and, and wonderful things. But I also share my concern that the whole of our Western culture is sliding away into all kinds of distorted beliefs and lifestyles. And I share with him how the gospel has taken root within our church, but almost subconsciously, some of our people are starting to look just like every other Aussie. At times they seem more excited about the, the footy than dwelling in the word of God. People sometimes come to worship service like they're entering a shopping center. And they come and they consume what they need, but it changes nothing and they leave it at the door and they go out. Or people's lives are really just so busy, they don't really do life together like a family should. And then there's a university and perhaps in the office where, where they're tempted to syncretize their beliefs with the latest fad, mixing the, matching the Jesus' words and teachings with the wisdom of the latest social media influencer. And so this foreign church leader who only knows River Life because of everything I'm telling him is going on, never been to Australia, <coughs> doesn't know what it's like here, but he's picking up on what I'm talking to him about and telling him, decides to pen a letter from his heart to you here at River Life. A, a, a letter that is full of thanksgiving. It's not tackling outright heresy. It's not trying to be judgmental. It's not trying to tell people how to do things, but it's, 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 what it's actually doing is gently working towards this one main point, and that is that Jesus is enough. 
Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient that we've been set free, set free and sent as an alternative witness, a radically different people group for the sake of the world in which we live within. And you, you don't need to add anything to Jesus. You don't need to add an experience, a philosophy, a self-serving lifestyle, whatever. Jesus is enough. So I send the letter back to you here at River Life, and you eagerly read it for the news, unaware kind of that the letter starts reading you, and this is Colossians. This is his whole idea. Epaphras, who founded the church in Colossae, he's uh, out of a city that was once a colossal city, you know, a huge city, a massive city, amazing place but now is on the decline, a little bit like our Western culture to some degree, as we once knew it. And so he tells Paul, this gathering of believers loves the Lord, but powerful Roman Empire and its symbols of success have seeped into his people's hearts. They're losing their potency as a witness mixing and matching with lifestyles and beliefs from outside the church. Colossae now in modern day Turkey is about a hundred mile uh, or so northwest of a major seaport of Ephesus. You might have heard about Ephesus. The book of Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. That's where Paul did a lot of his gospel work. So when he writes this letter that we're gonna read and get into, Uh, He's not actually the guy that's uh, been there. It's Epaphras who's started the church and and been there working with the Lord and the Lord has grown the church there. He's never been. He only understands what's happening because Epaphras is in prison with him (laughs) talking to him about all that's going on. And that's a little bit of the irony, I guess, is that these Christians in Colossae have been known to compromise their faith and instead of standing out, They're wanting to avoid persecution by blending in, yet the leader of the church and the one who's writing the letter are both in prison because they can't stop standing out for Jesus in all the right kind of ways. So Paul pens this heartfelt letter. And I'm hoping that across this series, we're just gonna keep seeing time and time and time again that Jesus is sufficient. He's all sufficient. We'll see how we're called to be different. Our identity and mission in Jesus requires us to be radically different for the benefit of our neighbours, for the benefit of our neighbourhoods, for the benefit of our co-laborers and workers and others that we do for our city, for the cities of Australia, for the nations of the world. And that's the choice that the Colossians had to make. And it's going to be the choice that we're going to have to make as well. Do we want to be just like the rest of the surrounding culture which we're swimming within? Or do we want to be and do we actually believe that there's a better way that's found in Jesus? Immersed in his presence, submitted to his lordship. Believing there's a power in declaring and demonstrating his alternative kingdom. Okay, got your Bibles with you? You can bring them every week. I'm hoping there's one on your phone, at least, right? 
I like hard copy. This is a new one. I'm having difficulties reading it. I don't know whether I got the print large enough as I get older or what, but uh, yeah, here we go. Let's turn. You can bring your Bible every week, whether it's on your device or here, but I'm going to put it up on the screen or someone will put it up for me. Anyway, here's the first two verses of Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Okay, so this is a typical introduction that, that might happen in a letter. You can read something similar in most of Paul's letters to the people whom he's writing to, and, and you could kind of just dismiss it, leave it there, and, and keep going. But I think it's worth noting that this, this kind of sets up the whole letter. This kind of actually introduces the things that he's wanting to kind of keep on talking about on the way through. See, right off the bat, he identifies himself rightly as an apostle. Paul was an apostle. The terrorist Saul becomes the apostle Paul, right? And, and he's sent like a missionary to the Gentile world to be able to tell them, those who weren't Jews, those who are outside of that Roman Empire and beyond, into talking about this uh, Jesus who he met personally and changed his life forever, okay? A devout follower of God, but needing to meet Jesus, he does so, and it changed his world. But there's a broader sense of the word apostle, meaning ambassador, meaning one who is sent in order to be able to represent a messenger sent to be able to announce, to represent uh, by God the good news to the world around us. And if you like, what I, I like about this is that the Colossians, just like you and me, we're a sent people, we are ambassadors. We may not uh, all be apostles by uh, you know, a, an anointing of God on our lives to be apostolic in that way, but we all can be apostolic in that, that we are all messengers of God sent to be able to tell the good news to other people around the world. That's a good thing. Telling people about this alternative kingdom that we belong to. And so Paul, writing this from prison, really tells us that sometimes there's a cost. And you know, here are these guys that are wanting to blend in, don't want to speak up, want to kind of hide because they don't want to be persecuted. And here they are, and Paul, as he's talking to them, writing this letter, he's paid a high price for proclaiming who Jesus is. And that wouldn't have gone unnoticed to them either. They would have known who he was. We've known that he's in there with their leader in prison because of their proclamation of this gospel. But more than that, what he's wanting them to know and what's just really so beautiful here as he starts in verse two is, I'm writing it to you, to God's holy people. See, he's writing to the Christians in, in Colossae and, and as he does, he, he calls them holy people. But what's your stereotypical response or understanding of someone who is holy? See, we talk about God being holy, and that is absolutely true. He is set apart. He is not like us. He is different in every aspect, and yet we are made in his image and called to be holy as he is holy, but we won't be holy like he is holy because he is God, right? He is different. 
there's a stereotypical response to holiness being that we're some little goody two-shoes, you know, that does all the right things, that checks off all the Christian boxes, that I look right from the outside, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the things I should be doing. I'm some sort of Bible nerd, maybe. Maybe there's all sorts of other things that come to your mind. But what if actually holiness is ultimately about wholeness? <laughs> You see, we are called to be set apart, but we're not asked to be set apart in some little Christian enclave where we just do our own thing, separate from the world, protected with barriers that allow us to feel safe and comfortable in the bringing up of our kids and raising them in ways that won't be harmed by the rest of the world around them because the reality is that just can't be the case. What if holiness is taking all the fragments of our life and by the power of God's spirit, putting those back again in order to be the people God made us to be. What if that's what holiness looks like? What if it's the wholeness of what he's asking us to be? If sin is a, a, a move towards fragmentation and death, holiness is a move towards integration and life. When I was a kid, the holiness movement was a whole bunch of rules that you shouldn't do. There were things you should do and shouldn't do. And if you step over that line, bam. But what if it's actually an invitation to life and wholeness? Because God is bringing us back together the way we're intended to. See, God's calling us to find our identity, not in the world around us, not in the way in which all the other fish in the sea that we are in are swimming, but, and whether we look the same and feel the same and whatever else, but to find the, 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 who we are in Him. And Paul calls us to immerse ourselves in Jesus to find our new identity. Our identity is not just an individual identity either. You see, our salvation, while it is very personal and needs to be an individual personal response to Jesus' offer of salvation because I need to be saved <laughs> from myself, from the world around me, from the sins that I commit. I need to be saved, but... This is a group identity that he's calling us into as well. A family in which we're supposed to belong. And Paul's saying to them, hey, you're a family. Don't act like acquaintances. You're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Share meals. Do life together. Drop in unexpectedly. Share what you have. Because the rest of the world's not going to offer that kind of love. But it's the kind of love we need to be known by. We're different so that we might make a difference in a good way. This is a part of the alternative kingdom. So let's pick it up in verses 3 and we'll read through to verse 8. And I just love this thanksgiving kind of prayer that is offered up here. He starts like this. Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, 
The gospel is bearing fruit and growing in thought and throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Faith, hope, and love, they're Paul's favourite things to talk about. You can read about it in, in, in other letters that he wrote to growing churches. And, and faith, hope, and love. He keeps reminding us of these on this way through this part of the passage and this forms the, his prayer for this church in Colossae. And while the rest of the world around them is proclaiming that Caesar should be Lord, he's saying, Jesus is Lord. You need to be proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. The Lord and Saviour rose from the dead and formed them into the family through his Holy Spirit. This isn't just optimism. They have a solid reason to hope that one day everything's going to be set right, and Paul's reminding them. They have the hope that any sacrifice that they have made, any persecution that they've faced will be absorbed in joy as the whole world is introduced to an alternative kingdom. One day, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And it's with this kind of hope that you don't need to fear what's happening in the world. Nor are you ashamed to stand out in a good way for Jesus. And this hope gave them faith a reason to trust God even amidst the tough times that they were facing. They didn't need to sell out. And this hope, it, it resulted in a community characterized by love for their brothers and sisters in Christ and even for their enemies. Because Jesus came to unite himself, natural enemies, male, female, Jew, Greek, master, slave for them in those days. And just as we will today need to be united with people who don't believe the same thing in our love for them. Making them brothers and sisters in and through Jesus who can share together unified in their faith as they follow him. Okay, so we're different. We're supposed to be different. And this gospel, this good news proclamation has brought some change into our lives. And it should be bringing change. That's what it's there to do. And this is what Paul is wanting to remind the church in Colossae about. What he's wanting them to remind them is that, hey, you are worthy of your calling. So what do we do to change? What needs to change? How do we live differently in a world that is different? How do we stand out so that we might make a difference in a positive way? Well, the next part of our scripture, this theme emerges and it's prayer. You see, Paul wants their lives to bear fruit, to be this holy community sent on mission to the world together. 
but they're embedded in their culture. They're prone to, to compromise. They need God's wisdom in how to move forward and take the next step. Only God can tell them how their family should live together, how they should live in interaction with the world around them. And so this is what he prays. For this reason, verse nine, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. How cool is that? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Wow, what a prayer, huh? I said to the morning congregation, so I'm gonna say it to you as well. I'm gonna pray this prayer every day for you. This week, I'm gonna pray this prayer. I'm not gonna pray it individually over each of your names, okay? But I will pray it for us as a family. That no matter where you are and what you're doing in this, this world we live in, that you might understand and be filled with this kind of understanding and knowledge that God wants to give to us, this wisdom that he wants us doing, wisdom is applied knowledge, so that you might actually then go and live differently in the world around us, but you might be guided by him so that you don't stand out for all the wrong reasons, but you stand out for all the right reasons. That's really important. I know a few Christians who stand out for all the wrong reasons. And this is such a, a fruitful kind of prayer. Jesus has freed us in order so we might love, love him and love one another to live wholeheartedly for him. And that's kind of normal. When you give your life to Jesus, there's something within us that just wants to, to love him, to, to love others, to be able to live for him wholeheartedly. That's normal, that's what should be there. That's maybe what needs to be reignited in the church at Colossae so that they're not prone to compromise, but they're being led back to this understanding of I can live in a different way for Jesus. And Paul's major reason for living differently has been building right from the start of this letter. When you go right back to verse one, it's in the letter's introduction. He talks about this idea of grace and peace, this idea of flourishing, shalom. And now here, in, in, back in, in, in verse six, he talks about the gospel bearing fruit. And in verse 10 that we've just read, Paul continues this garden imagery growing to a, a kind of moral maturity. God planted this community and he wants it to bear fruit. God planted this community and he wants it to bear fruit. Fruit stands for success, happiness, the blessed life. Of course, the rest of the world is gonna tell you that uh, that's what they offer as well. <laughs> and we offer you the, the, the simple life, the easy life, the life with no troubles, the life of success, the life of whatever. The next quick way to success that leads to happiness and flourishing. The world wants the kingdom without the king. You realize that 
When you hear the word progressive, we're a progressive society. A progressive society wants to progress. Towards what? And who are they following? What progression are we making? You see, the alternative kingdom that we belong to follows the king. (laughs) And the world wants the kingdom. They want the good things. They want the flourishing, but they don't want the king. (laughs) You can't have the kingdom without the king. And our culture is built on unsustainable and self-serving consumption. The dream doesn't deliver, so we become disillusioned. There's plenty of people walking out there totally disillusioned with life. We sacrifice so much time, so much money, our relationships, all for what? What are we falling for a false hope instead of allowing the alternative kingdom to flourish and bear fruit in our lives? The sort of fruitfulness of this alternative kingdom is nothing to do with self-centeredness, our own self selfish desires being met, if you like. It's no easy and kind of hassle-free, insta-worthy life, but a life that honors and pleases God. And all the while, we will grow as we learn to know God better and better. I want to remind you, though, because as good Christian people, sometimes we turn that on its head and we make it into a list of religious rules and acts in which to follow and check off. The power of prayer is based in what God does for us and through us and has very little to do with us <laughs> and a lot to do with him because the surrendered heart is what he's looking for. That's what makes the difference. And Paul finishes this section of scripture with this encouragement. How can you be different? How is it that you can make, be different so you can make a difference? And in verse 13 he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, for people that are embedded in in culture of the world around us, words like rescue or dominion or darkness and light sound really excessive. I don't need to be saved. Saved from what? You know? But Paul's reminding the church in Colossae and us that we are smack bang in the middle of a battle. It's very real. Paul's readers would have felt the squeeze by the Roman Empire to fit the mold. You say Jesus is Lord, but we need you to say that Caesar's Lord. Don't stand out. Don't speak up. Play the game. Don't buck the trend. You might be considered as intolerant or bigoted for having a different opinion to the rest of the world. But Paul's saying that through Jesus, they've been rescued from an even greater dominion. You see, the enemy of God is real. Satan is real. This fallen angel that masquerades as light and offers a whole bunch of stuff that just never delivers. Empty promises, drawing people away from life into death. 
And he's called the prince of this world for a reason. And out of Satan's dark dominion, Paul's reminding the church at Colossae, he's reminding us here, these, these thousands of years later, that we've been rescued out of that place, out of that dominion of darkness, out of the way in which those empty promises are there. He's rescued us out of that and he's calling us into the fruitfulness of being in the kingdom of the son in whom he loves, Jesus. Again, it's all about Jesus. And with his family, this radical nature of the gospel where the world wants you to blend in for your own benefit. But Jesus has rescued us all, making us a family with a potent witness. How cool is that? Now, I really wanna remind you, and I wanna sear it in so that you, over the next six weeks, are hearing the right message. Because this letter, and I hope our preaching, is not judgment. It's not condemnation. This letter says that, you know what, if, you, if you've been duped by the world, if you've been compromising in that, it's not there to slap you. It's not there to give you some more rules to follow. It's not there to say, just lift your game and do a little better. It's to say the answer's Jesus. Just keep coming back to Jesus. And when you live for Jesus, you'll stand out. <laughs> Because Jesus will invade your life by the power of his spirit and at work through you, you will not help but be different to everyone else around you in a good way. In a good way. Are we radically different ambassadors for an alternative kingdom? As people encounter a community at River Life, do they find family? Are we a holy people set apart for the benefit of others? Our money, our time, our, our relationships, our living arrangements? It's about just continually submit ourselves over and over and over again to God as an alternative people from an alternative kingdom. It's not about a new set of boundary markers, building walls to keep those who are different at arm's length. It's not about become the ones who shout louder than the rest of the world because we have a different opinion. We should maybe say it, but we do it all in love. It's about prayer. It's about waiting on God in order that he would give us the wisdom in how to take the next steps about being different. I'm sure we can all come up with some ideas, but I'm sure we'd all agree too that God's ideas are always better than ours. So every day this week, I'm going to be praying this prayer over you. And my challenge is, come tomorrow, will you pray it for yourself? <laughs> will you pray it for your family? Will you pray it for your spouse? Will you pray it for your boyfriend, girlfriend? Will you pray it for your co-worker? Will you pray it for those who've just been on camp with? Will you pray it for others? Will you pray it for this church? And so I want to pray it over you now. So if you'd like to stand to your feet, I want to pray Paul's prayer that he had for the church at Colossae over you. So God, would you fill us 
with the knowledge of your will. Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Come, Holy Spirit. We can't walk this life without you, Holy Spirit. We need you as much as we need the Word, as much as we need the Father and the Son, we need you, Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us into these truths, this knowledge and wisdom that come from God so that we might live a life worthy of Jesus and please Him in every way. God, bear fruit in every good work, in everything small and large that this community, this family will do this week, not just for one another, but for those who don't yet know you, even your enemies. I pray that you would be blessed. I pray that God might fill you and strengthen you with all power according to His glorious might so that you might have great patience and endurance to continue to be different. In a world that wants you to compromise, God, let them know that you are with them, giving us the power, Lord God, and endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to you, God, even amidst the circumstances that don't fit our agenda in your kingdom. Thank you that you've qualified us. God, by what Jesus did, you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of all His holy people in the kingdom of light. Thank you, God, for delivering us out of the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of the one in whom you love, your Son, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that we have redemption. Thank you that we have the forgiveness of sins. Thank you that we can live a different way because of you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. You are supreme. You are worthy. There is nothing you cannot do. You are all sufficient for us. We turn our hearts towards you, Jesus. May this week as we go, just be filled as we pray for one another. Be filled, Lord God, with your Spirit's empowerment to be different so that we might make a difference. We ask it in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.